Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Cara. So today's episode is about the antidote to smell. Mm. Like stink smell. Mm. And itch, actually, the antidote to smell and itch. And in some cases, it can even be the antidote to discharge. Mm. You know, discharge is my favorite word. Actually, vaginal discharge is really my favorite. Yeah. Discharge is a close second. Yeah, well, discharge may be your favorite word. And then you've got the phrase. You've got the double there. Okay, so I want to challenge you. What free, did I mention it was free? What free antidote is available to solve smell and itch and in some cases discharge is it excessive tic- discharge is it tiktok is that the answer <laughs> to all of those things <laughs> it might be another answer <laughs> could it be air airing out it's air those dark damp smelly itchy moist places air air everywhere how about the word moist how do you feel about the word moist i feel good about the word moist because it really describes it's sort of um <laughs> it's it's got a, a it's visceral, like an asmr it is <laughs> you could just we're gonna spend the next 40 minutes moist. saying <laughs> so air this episode is about air and the importance of air and the healing qualities of air 
because it's a really undervalued therapeutic. And especially in puberty, air solves many, many issues. All right. So I think we should start from the toes and work our way up to the top of the head about the role that air plays and why it's so important. Okay. So let's start. Actually, let's start with between the toes. Itchy between the toes and peeling skin. What are we looking at there? So usually that's athlete's foot, which is a fungal infection. Fungus and yeast are essentially equivalent. They are infections that grow in dark, moist areas. <laughs> I do like how I let you do that. That's going to be Thank the whole... Thank you for the pause. I'm just going to say moist over and over and over <laughs> Luckily. again. So fungus loves that environment. And between the toes is primo real estate because no matter how closely packed the toes are, you know, some people have sort of toe gaps and some people have toes that are stacked right up against each other. But um, I have really nice toes. I have toes like in that perfectly cascading in order. They're my best quality, actually. Wow. Yeah, I do really like my feet. Maybe we will feature them on our (laughs) social media post about this episode. Yes. And then no one will ever look at our Instagram account again or listen to this episode. Correct. I do need a pedicure, though. Okay, we'll wait until post-pedicure to take that picture. But so what happens to toes, whether they have gaps between them or not, is that they are more often than not, encased in socks. So now a sort of already dark-ish area that doesn't get a ton of air circulation is even darker and more humid and less air circulating. And then you put those socked toes and feet into shoes, and now you have even warmer, wetter, less airy circumstances And so any infection, any fungus or yeast that might have been there goes, woohoo, I can grow and be free. And that is what is happening between the toes when they are itchy and peely. So what do we do to prevent it? Air, yes. You walk around barefoot. Well, let me just say the name athlete's foot. It's obvious, right? So athletes who are super sweaty wearing athletic socks are common walking advertisements (laughs) for this um, issue. But people who are not athletic can absolutely have athlete's foot as well. So let's talk about treating it and let's talk about preventing it. If you've got athlete's foot, this is one that can be treated over the counter. There are creams that are available at pretty much any pharmacy. There are also ointments. A cream is usually white in color, although not always. It's thinner and lighter and absorbs more easily. Ointment is petroleum-based usually. It's thicker and greasier. You can imagine why if you're dealing with something that is where moisture is part of the problem, if you put an ointment on it, sometimes you overly moisturize the area and that's not necessarily the best preparation. So a cream, when you're trying to fight moisture, works a little bit better in that scenario, which is why I usually advocate the -the over-the-counter creams. And it's all the products that are on that first aid shelf under foot or fungus or yeast. And the 
name usually ends with the letters A-Z-O-L-E because an azole is an antifungal or an anti-yeast. So you'll see lots of them like clotrimazole and you know there, there are lots of versions of it. And that, that means antifungal. And so you can pick that up over the counter and you can put it between the toes a couple of times a day. Now, one key to effectively treating your athlete's foot is that you also need to stop the moisture and brighten the darkness, right? Because if the drivers of this are dark and wet, then the antidote is bright and dry. So you can put all the antifungal cream in the world on your athlete foot infected toe. But at the end of the day, if you don't take those toes out of socks and out of shoes and you don't air them out, it's not going to work that well. So for instance, if your child comes off the soccer field in sweaty soccer socks that are made of God knows what material that doesn't breathe and doesn't dry, that would be a great opportunity to say, hey, can you just pull those socks off and put your slides on or your Crocs or your flip-flops or whatever? So part of it is kids kind of get comfortable sitting in whatever they're sitting in. This will become a theme today. And it's part of it is encouraging them to get out of whatever is moist and dark and wet. Yes. So, and that is both a therapeutic for people who have athlete's foot. It's also a preventive. So people who don't have a fungus growing between their toes, if they get out of their sweaty shoes and socks more regularly, then they will reduce their likelihood. I will say it's a trade-off for parents who are driving their kids home from sports practice because you're being so kind and loving to help your child prevent their athlete's foot. The smell can be really overpowering when they take those shoes and socks off in the car. I mean, the cleat, my kids' cleats smell so bad that they have to leave them like far, far away from me. It's just appalling when they bring them into their rooms, like then their whole rooms. Well, the room is disgusting. And you know, the best tip I have for this, it is such a great, wonderful, wonderful thing to do that my child who has really smelly feet never does. But But for other people's children. (laughs) Yes, for other people's children, this works very well. For people of all ages, regular old baking soda. If you have anyone who has stinky feet, take the shoes off best sort of by the front door or not in the enclosed bedroom, right? But take the shoes off and you pour not a small amount of baking soda. You pour enough baking soda to kind of cover the whole sole on the inside of the shoe. You're filling the inside of the shoe with baking soda and you kind of shake the shoe to distribute the baking soda somewhat evenly throughout. Make sure it gets towards the toe area. And you just let the baking soda sit in the shoe overnight. What will happen is the baking soda will pull moisture from the sole. And when the the moisture comes out of the sole, so too will some of the odor. And if you do that, pretty regularly, the shoes actually start to smell a lot better. A second option is to remove the inside inner sole and replace it. You know, you can get replacement liners for shoes, sole liners, and and 
you can absolutely think about doing that because sometimes the shoes will outlast that sole inside the, the lining inside. Hey, it's Cara. We all know puberty isn't always easy. One of the trickiest pieces of the puberty puzzle is boobs. When will I get them? Why are they so tender? And why does every bra out there seem to pull, push, pad, itch, scratch, or be so flimsy it doesn't do a thing? That's where Umla comes in. It's a company that makes puberty comfortable, a company I founded with my friend Julie. When our own daughters began the puberty journey, we couldn't find a decent starter bra anywhere. So we made one. It fits perfectly whether boobs are just starting to bud or they've been growing for a few years. We call it the Umbra. And it's game-changing. The Umbra is made from buttery cotton that feels like second skin, ridiculously soft and so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing anything at all. Umbra's one-of-a-kind support comes from its patented layered design that creates gentle compression without any tight binding, which also means it doesn't need any bulky, awkward pads because it's built to seamlessly hide nipples and protect against those dreaded ouch moments throughout the day. Our daughters and their friends are done with puberty, but they still love and wear their Umbra's. It's why we say that the Umbra may be your first bra, but it will definitely be your favorite bra. Come say hi, look around, and find your Umbra, plus lots of other puberty info at myoomla.com. That's M-Y-O-O-M-L-A dot com. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors ready-to-eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our Factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never-frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. <laughs> and it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, 
Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie Horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. Hey guys, it's Hunter and Michaela, and this is the Model Citizen Podcast. We wanted to let the members of our community experience a different side of us that they see glimmers of, but never the full force. Exactly. We wanted a place where we could talk unfiltered about anything and everything, including our lives and experiences in the modeling industry, beauty, fashion, dating, sex, marriage, a dash of political commentary, and of course, pop culture, honey. We're going all the way in. Tune in every Thursday for a giggle, a laugh, and maybe even a tear or two. You've just found your new best friends, and we're so happy to have you. Well, let's get to the root of the problem. Let's move from the toes to the feet themselves, yeah. right? Something we've talked about quite often is that one of the first signs that we see that kids' bodies are changing are actually super stinky feet. Yes. Why do their feet get so stinky? And what is a very simple thing we can encourage them to do to help with their stinky feet? Yeah. So feet smell because feet sweat. All of our bodies sweat everywhere. But again, when you've got socks and shoes, it's already dark, it's already moist, and there's nowhere for that moisture to grow. The moisture gets trapped and bacteria that normally live on our skin and we all have bacteria that normally live on our skin, they feast on that sweat. And when they consume the sweat, the breakdown byproduct of eating the proteins in that sweat 
that breakdown product smells and it smells like that smell. <laughs> like you that all know it. Special stinky foot smell. That's right. Um, and so, what can we do? We right. Can. Well, number one, air is your best friend. So, take off the socks, take off the shoes. And number two, because it's the bacteria that are eating the sweat and that is driving the process of breaking down the proteins and releasing the smell, if you kick the bacteria off the skin, you don't have bacteria to eat the sweat. You don't have a breakdown product. So how do you do that? You use soap in the bath or the shower and you literally physically remove the bacteria on a daily basis from the skin. And I just want to run up the body quickly just to relate that to the armpits because that body odor is another super common early sign that our kids' bodies are changing. Not necessarily a sign of puberty, but a sign that our kids' bodies are changing. There's another kind of smell that comes from armpits. But one of the answers to that is the same, which is soap and water on the armpits. And we need to explicitly tell our children to use soap in addition to water in order to help the smell. Also take off stinky, sweaty clothes and offer them the opportunity to use deodorant or antiperspirant to help with the smell. Yes. And for people who have hair in their armpits, sometimes when you have hair under there, it can get more moist and the smell can be more intense because there's just more in there to trap the odor, to create and trap the odor. And so that's one note. And it's important to use soap well and to just be aware of it in your hygiene routine. The other thing is chafing. And this is just a side note, but similar to the rash that we described between the toes and athlete's foot, people can get a red, itchy, flaky, irritated rash in and around their armpits. Some people get it right in the middle of the armpit. Some people get it underneath the armpit, but towards the front, like towards the breast tissue. Other people get it towards the back, towards the flank. And what it is, is just as the arm skin and the skin that travels down the side of your chest come into contact as you're sort of brushing your arm against your own rib cage, you can get basically just a little friction rub and a little burn or a little irritation there. And some people are predisposed to it and some aren't. And it often does have to do with excess moisture. And so air, it turns out, is really helpful there as well. Some people find, though, that if they're chafing a lot, the best thing to do in that case is to wear a top that helps separate their arm from their rib cage. So on the one hand, you want to air it out. On the other hand, wearing something fitted, especially when you're exercising, so that when the rubbing happens, you're not constantly irritating skin on skin, makes a big difference. But when you're done exercising, take it off, soap and water in the shower, and then that is not yeast. It's not fungal there. It's just an abrasion. It's just a little rub. And so a little bit of um, sometimes a little, you could put a little powder on there. Sometimes you could put, some people put a little neosporin or a little topical antibiotic or a little cortisone cream if it itches or burns, you know, you could talk to your doctor. So on the subject of chafing, let's move up the body to between the legs. Yeah. So some people at this table whose name begins with V and ends with A. It begins with V and ends with Anessa. Anessa. I had to like sit for a second and think about like, how do I spell my name? 
I have big, strong thighs that rub together. Yeah. When I'm not wearing pants or if I work out in shorts and not bike shorts, or if I am wearing a skirt in the summer and it doesn't feel so great because I get the same thing that you talked about, which is sort of a contact chafing rash. So I only work out in, you know, fitted tights. But in the summer, sometimes I wear dresses and I walk miles and miles and miles and I get a little chafing. So is the same treatment or the same approach to that chafing similar? It's identical. Okay. It's And it's the same dilemma because what you've described is exactly right. Wearing something that's tight fitting will help prevent skin on skin irritation in your thighs, but then it makes you increasingly sweaty in the groin. Right. Right. So I, I'm going to share too much information now. Prepare yourself. I am prone to yeast infections. And one of the best ways that I learned over many, 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 many years is to change out of my sweaty sports clothes and workout clothes. I have spent decades wearing sweaty sports clothes. And I was like, what's happening? Why do I keep getting yeast infections? And finally, my midwife was like, you might want to get out of your sweaty clothing like sometime after you work out. So now apply the knowledge that you have from between the toes and that yeast infection and tell us why getting out of your sweaty workout clothes also helps prevent vaginal yeast infection. Air, 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 right? So I had to take a dark, sweaty, moist. I'm sorry. Some people are going to stop listening to this episode because I've said moist a hundred times. Place and turn it into a dry, aired out. I won't say sunshiny place because then that would be really terrifying to people. But I definitely need to put on dry underwear and get out of my sweaty clothes. And I'm going to take it a step further and say that we all wear underpants during the day. Um, there are people I know well I take who don't back. wear underpants. I'm going to start that over. <laughs> For those of us who wear underpants during the day, we are creating a sweaty environment. Um, even when people wear boxer shorts that are a bit more breathable, it's still a little bit sweaty down there, much less so, but certainly briefs, boxer briefs, bikini, thong, or anything that's tight-fitting in the groin area is tight-fitting in the groin area. And so at night, I am a huge advocate of airing out your nether regions. I don't care if you have penis and testicles. I don't care if you have a vagina, whatever you got down there air it out. And that might mean sleeping with nothing on the bottom. That might mean sleeping with super loose fitting pants or loose fitting shorts or loose fitting boxers. When people are having their period, they will generally sleep with underpants, but the rest of the cycle sleep without. I am so obsessed with this that Umla is going to have their newest product line is coming out in early 2022. And it will be a genderless drop crotch sleep short. I'm buying like a thousand <laughs> pairs well, for my family. Everyone should air out overnight. Everyone. Wait, I have to tell you something funny. So growing up, so I have always worn nightgowns. Always. And always a, worn nightgowns. And a nightcap I can pick. Not, not, not a nightcap. 
And cold cream on my do, face. Do you carry a <laughs> candle and a little silver and plate? And scare people <laughs> and regret my life decisions. I've always worn a nightgown, although I might change that and start wearing the Umla sweet sleep shorts when they come out. But that was my mom's belief that you needed to air it out. She was very forward thinking. But my grandmother, who was a child of the depression, who was not college educated, who was mostly concerned with wrapping us up as warmly as possible, was aghast at the fact that we didn't wear underwear to bed. We wore nightgowns and no underwear. And she would say to my mom, but Nessa's going to get a cold in her kishkis if she doesn't wear underwear to bed. My kishkis are like your your nether regions, as Kara referred to it in Yiddish. But I think she was also uncomfortable that I was walking around without underwear on, right? It was both a cultural thing and a sort of like keeping me safe kind of thing. Okay. So when I was a resident training to be a pediatrician, I I worked in the emergency room several times. Um, you do sort of a month here and a month there, rotating all over the hospital. And you always go back and back and back again to the emergency room because it's a very primary place for people to go. And I learned a lot in the emergency room. One of the things I learned was to become a little bit fixated on what I am wearing should I end up in an emergency and in the emergency <laughs> room. And there was always the Not person- Not on the doctor side, but on the patient on the side, patient, God I, I developed tremendous empathy. And there were people who, it, it's so funny. It's such a sort of a universal moment where there are people who come in with, you know, old underwear and they go, oh my God, I can't believe I'm wearing this underwear and you can see it because you're cutting it <laughs> off or I have to, you know, or people who come in wearing no underwear and they have feelings around it is very funny. So to me, that moment of, you know, what are you wearing to bed is met with this. As I was growing up in California, it was always, what if there's an earthquake in the middle of the night? What do you do? What's the emergency procedure? And, you know, that you're always taught to have shoes somewhere near your bed especially before you get to an area that might have broken glass, mm-hmm. right? That's the the prevention. So if you sleep in a room where there's a window, and most people do sleep in a room where there's a window, you want to make sure that you can get out of that room without stepping on a shard of glass. And so I remember after I was in my residency training, I modified my routine. I always made sure I had a pair of shoes somewhere near the bed where I wouldn't step on glass. And then I was always like, eh, I got a pair of underwear that I can <laughs> grab on my way out the door because... God knows I don't want to be in the emergency room without it. And there's an an equivalent to that, which is when you have teenagers sleeping in your house and they have friends who are also sleeping in your house, you might have to modify what you wear to bed or what you have available should they come home at three in the morning because they can't unlock the door and they have four friends at the front door also. Correct. And what you wear to bed might not be appropriate for what their friends also Vanessa. Happy birthday! I'm going to buy you a robe. I have like eight. <laughs> I have like eight robes, but I don't leave them by my bed. Well, now you can have shoes, underwear, and a robe by your bed. I'm going to just move my You're whole ready. like my whole dresser to right next to my bed. You're ready. Um, so we've done toes. We've, we've done, done toes, feet, feet groin. armpits, groin. What are some other, besides my sharing about yeast infection, what are some other things that can go on in the groin and crotch area because of air or lack thereof? Yeah. So vaginal discharge is great. It's self-cleaning. 
it's evidence of the self-cleaning oven of the vagina. And it's a great thing that we have it. As you like to say, the elegance elegant. of the vagina. I, it's really very elegant, the system. But a yeast infection, just for those of you who are wondering what it looks like, it does not look like red, flaky, itchy, like between the toes. What it often looks like is that the vaginal discharge itself shifts so that instead of being clear and mucousy and stringy, the way Vanessa likes to describe it is the raw egg white uh, in your underpants. <laughs> and she's exactly right. That's exactly what it looks like. No yolk. Um, but <laughs> no yolk. I was like, oh, like no joke, but no yolk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the yeast infection discharge can look white and chunky and cottage cheesy, really. It's it's just a dead ringer for cottage cheese. And it has a different odor. It has a different odor because the acidity level is different and the acidity level is different. This is sort of a, a vicious cycle of vaginal yeast infections, which is that you have this hot, dark, sweaty environment under underpants or under a bathing suit or a leotard, anything that's tight and sweaty, right? And then... That shifts a little bit the pH balance, the acid level in the neighborhood, and then yeast begin to grow, and then they themselves further shift the acid balance of the environment, which is why many, many, many people drink cranberry juice when they have uh, yeast, vaginal yeast infections, or even frankly, yeast infections anywhere. And it's an effective strategy because it shifts the acidity of the local environment, and it makes it less um, hospitable for yeast or fungus to grow. So, but not sweetened cranberry juice. Just be super clear. It's the hydration plus the acidity of just straight up cranberry that works. So if you can't tolerate straight up cranberry juice, just hydrate really, really well. So a couple of other just... I think ultimately we'll probably end up doing a whole episode on all sorts of infections and things like that. Oh, that's However, be so fun. <laughs> but for those of you listening, other advice that I was given to help prevent my yeast infections besides getting out of my sweaty sports clothes was to wear cotton only underwear because it Yes. It breathes. breathes. And did you do you know what color to wear? Have you heard that? No. Look at your face. You're, you're, no, I'm about to have my mind blown. I wish people could see your eyeballs just Le got doubled in size. Leopard print? <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> no, um, so white or light, you don't, what you want to avoid are dyes in the underwear. Now, white, I, I hesitate because I never white, wear white underwear. White underwear are not not dye. Right. And okay. also once I started menstruating, I basically yeah. never wore white but, underwear again. But the, the super bright colors and super dark colors are sometimes, not always, but sometimes the dyes, sometimes. Fascinating. So it's actually really hard to find all cotton underwear. That's very for hard. For like a adult woman. Very hard. Um, so Umla needs to get on that okay. too, please. Thank you very much. The other advice that I was given was to have yogurt with probiotics, preferably unsweetened yogurt. But if, you know, I need a little... Um, so that, and do you know why? So I believe it's so that the probiotics, the bacteria can like populate my vagina to they counter. They can populate everything. Well, populate yeah. everything, but yes. to counteract the yeast 
Yeah. So people don't like to think about our body as a host for many other organisms, but we are. So there are bacteria that live in it and on it, and there are some yeasts that live in it and on it. And these things are normal. This is, you know, we're not solitary organisms walking around. We're like the Star Wars bar. <laughs> it's really... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Chewbacca's walking in any second. It's another excellent <laughs> visual for our social media. I want to get on that. So because of that, when we eat and drink foods and liquids that have bacteria that are able to colonize and kind of create little communities in certain areas in our body, whether it's in our gut or in the vagina or other areas, that those bacteria really, again, they make the local environment not that hospitable for the yeast, for instance, that are going to cause us to be itchy or irritated or have funky discharge. So that is why, now we could spend a whole episode on this and we won't, but I'll just say briefly, many of the yogurts that are sold in markets that say that they have lots of probiotics and actually some even label the colony count. So they'll say like a million CFUs of, you know, and then they'll name the species of the probiotic. Those, unfortunately, those yogurts are very often misleading you in their labeling because while it's true that they've documented that many organisms they then go on to pasteurize. So to, and pasteurization is very, very important for dairy products, um, actually for a lot of products. And there are people who are very against it. I happen to think pasteurization very, very important because it's a way of removing dangerous bacteria from our food supply. But they go on to pasteurize after counting the numbers of probiotics. And pasteurization is sort of flash heating and it kills living things including the good bacteria. So it's not sort of a simple equation where what you see advertised on your grocery store shelf is actually what you're putting into your body. And for those of you who are looking for good probiotics, I would definitely talk to either your healthcare provider or a nutritionist with knowledge about this because you want to colonize your body with these good bacteria, but you can't necessarily do it through some of the products that you're using to do it. Can you say a word about getting back to preventing yeast infections? Can you say a word about treating yeast infections? And I raise this because for years, I did not know I had yeast infections and I was like super uncomfortable. I hiked Mount Washington with a yeast infection without knowing it. I actually hiked the whole presidential range and and hiked four peaks and didn't change my underwear and had a yeast infection. If you can imagine, there's a great visual for everyone out there. <laughs> and part of it was that no one talked to me about vaginal discharge and vaginal discharge changing and that when it's healthy, it looks like uncooked egg whites. And when you have a yeast infection um, or other stuff going on, it might be yellow or chunky or smell differently. So this is a PSA for talking to your children who have vaginas about yeast infection and to kind of notice it. If you think your kid has a yeast infection, what should people do? Yeah. So first of all, you should definitely call a, a doctor, a healthcare provider. You don't necessarily need to go in. 
But don't but just treat it yourself no. without speaking to someone. Yeah, I wouldn't. And the things you're going to hear include air. So this whole episode is really based on the the notion that air is good for our bodies. And in this case, if you've got a vaginal yeast infection, air is part of the treatment, airing out the area. You want to stay away from irritants. So things like bubble baths are not a great idea when you have a a yeast infection. Um, That's especially true if you have actual inflammation or irritation in the vaginal opening or where the urethra comes out, where the peak comes out. But even with yeast infections, we usually say, get out of the bubble bath, just clean water when you bathe. And then changing diet. So to change the acidity level, hydrating really, really well, and then antifungals. So the same treatments that are sold as athlete's foot treatments, remember A-Z-O-L-E at the end? Those are the exact same treatments that are sold for vaginal yeast infections, and there are different ways to use them. Do you mean my canazole? Yes. My closest friend in the world. And and there are formulations that you take as oral pills. There are formulations that you actually insert as vaginal suppositories that just work locally. A lot of people really love the local treatments because why take something by mouth when you're just trying to treat the vaginal area? And it's really easy. There are creams that you can apply. But the bottom line is they're very, very similar to the athlete's foot preparations. That said, enormous asterisk here do not take an athlete foot cream and put it inside your vagina. It is, that is not, you know, the, the, the difference in the preparations is significant. This is not like repackaging the same thing and upselling it for vaginal yeast infections. Not at all. Do you have feelings about, cause it's, they're very expensive yeast infection yeah. treatments. Yeah. Like although can be it, as much as 20 something dollars. For although one many treatment. insurance providers cover yeast infection treatments. And so that is another reason to call your healthcare provider because if you can get a prescription, then you can get insurance coverage. Difference between generic versus brand name? No. No difference. Okay. Do you want, um, are you ready for me to blow your mind? Oh God. Another thing that people may not know is often pregnant women struggle with yeast infections because hormones are all over the place. They're heavier. There's more moisture down there, more, more discharge. The advice that I got for a homeopathic treatment of a yeast infection was to put a clove of garlic inside my vagina. Have you ever heard of that before? No. Do you want to ask me if I didn't? No. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to leave you with that cliffhanger, listeners. You know, I'm just going to (laughs) say. You can't not say anything. You have to say, you have to say something. I'm just wondering what I'm just going to say is. I'm just going to say there are so many different ways to treat different maladies. And lots of cultures have lots of traditions. But in general, just because it's a food or an herb or something that grows on a vine does not make it necessarily safe or effective. Not saying that garlic in in your vaginal orifice is dangerous, but you know, again, healthcare provider just it was recommended by a healthcare, healthcare provider. provider. And then if if they can walk you through the safety of it, God bless. Because there are certain things that do amazingly miraculous things in the body 
that we can pick up on our grocery store shelves for sure. And I'll give you an example for babies with ear infections, you know, garlic mullen oil, eardrops in the ear work wonders. And it sounds like hocus pocus, but it's not. It's an oil-based treatment with garlic and you put the drops in the ear canal and the infection is on one side of the eardrum and you're putting the drops on the other side of the eardrum. But what it does is it shifts the water balance across the eardrum. It's unbelievable. And it works beautifully well. So there are- Where were you when my daughter had ear infections like every six weeks? All right, now I know. What else haven't we- Covered. So the last place, and I think, you know, we can we can do this one really quickly because there isn't too much to say here. Breath. So <laughs> when we wake up in the morning, generally I smell like a bed of roses. <laughs> so why do we have bad breath? We often have bad breath because we sleep with our mouth either closed or less gaping open, many of us, and the circulation of air is reduced and the population of different organisms that live in our mouth goes up overnight and they are able to, again, chew through the proteins and the saliva and off gas and do all that. And we wake up with bad breath. And I think if you ever need a reminder for why air is so important somewhere in your body that feels kind of benign. Just think about your mouth and think about how all day long you're breathing with your mouth open or you're chewing or you're talking and there's constantly air exchange in there. And when there's not air exchange, there are very (laughs) strong repercussions, nasally strong repercussions. But this is not a reason for your kids to just open their mouths wider and not brush their teeth or floss their teeth. This is just an explanation for why initially their breath is bad. And if they don't brush. You got it. You got it. Or take it out the garbage. It only gets worse. As Carl likes to say, it only gets worse. Did we hit all the, we got it. All the body parts? I guess, I mean, can, can you spend one minute on breasts and air? And air. You know, I would say like any other part of the body, when we cover breasts with bras, especially thick, non-breathable bras like sports bras, okay? And they get sweaty because they're being compressed in a very tight, narrow, dark space. If we don't get out of that garment and get into a bath or shower and wash with soap and water and air it out, you know, we'll see rashes and irritation pop up there as well. Also, I don't know if this happens to anyone else in the world, but when I take off my bra at night, I'm like, it. my skin is like itchy. I have to itch because like the circulation is coming back. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, although I... <laughs> Except for my umbra, which is what I put on at night when I need to wear something and I don't want to wear my underwire bra. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I think if you're itching, it's a good sign that maybe there's a different bra for you. <laughs> But we're going to do, do know a different any? episode. Do you know any? Yeah, we're going to do a whole episode on bras. All right, Cara. So we've been circling around what we call our takeaway at the end of the podcast, the practical puberty takeaway, the practical puberty tip, the practical puberty pearl. And our wonderful producer, Brian, suggested that since we refer internally to the podcast, to the puberty podcast as TPP, we might want to think about the inverse for our takeaway at the end as the PPT. 
puberty podcast takeaway. So let's see how we feel today. So Cara, my puberty podcast takeaway or my practical puberty takeaway is that we can encourage our kids to air things out and we can explain the science to them, as opposed to just telling them what to do with their bodies, explaining why it's valuable, their feet, their groins, their armpits, everywhere. And if they understand the science, they will be more likely to listen and comply for their own health and safety. What's yours? So mine is that everything in moderation, which means that when it comes to air, if you can air out as often as you can air out, your body's going to love you for that. But if there are times when you can't tear out, if you're having your period and you need to wear tight-fitting underpants to bed, if you are freezing cold one night and need to put socks on your feet when you're asleep because that keeps you warm and that sends um, heat to your core, actually. It's incredible. Okay, this is a general concept to apply to your life in a big picture sense, but day-to-day, All of these suggestions are made to be tossed out on an as-needed basis. Um, So, you know, doesn't mean you should sit in a wet bathing suit or a tight leotard for hours on end. But if you need to bundle up instead of air out from time to time, listen to your body. I'm just going to say moist one more time. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.